so much for that song. I tell you... She does an awful good job of covering up my mistakes. <laughs> I tell you, she does the same thing for me too. That's why I, I appreciate her. She makes me look way better than I am. <laughs> most of the, so, But I appreciate that song. I tell you, none of us, we would be anywhere if it wasn't for the touch of Jesus Christ on our life. And a lot of times people get to thinking it's all about them and their own willpower and just because they're so great. But I'm here to tell you, that without Christ, we can't do anything. And without Him, it, the Bible says we can do nothing. And I, I believe that, and I definitely know that that's the case in my own life. But thank you for that song. If you want to take your Bibles today and go to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5, we're just going to read one verse. This is one of the Beatitudes. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this song we just heard, Lord, and we just thank you for I thank you for another opportunity to preach the gospel. And Lord, I pray that this will be a help. And I pray that all of us we will hunger and thirst after righteousness, dear Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I think everybody in here today, I think we can all relate to hunger and thirst. Um, hunger and thirst are really probably two of the strongest desires in the human body. When somebody gets hungry, boy, they'll, they can get desperate. They'll get crabby sometimes. I tend to do that every now and then. But when people get hungry, it'll affect their behavior. People sometimes, if they get hungry enough, they'll eat things that normally they wouldn't eat. I remember my mom, she used to make things sometimes that I didn't like, and I was like, I don't want to eat that. And I'd say, I'm not hungry. And she'd tell me, you know, if you get hungry enough, you'll eat it. Like, no, I don't care how hungry I get, I'll never eat that. And, you know, fortunately, we live in a country where you don't get hungry too often, and so there are still some of those things that I used to tell her that I would never eat that I still have not eaten. Uh, I hate cheese. I say all the time, if I'm starving to death, and there's a piece of cheese there, and that's all I got for survival. I'll be dead because I don't, I just don't like it. And um, but you know what? That could change real quick. 
if I got hungry enough. Uh, when you're thirsty, boy, you've, you've probably been really thirsty before where you just, you had to have something to drink. I mean, you were that thirsty, you were I'm getting thirsty even talking about I'm getting a little hungry too. Some of you probably know what I'm talking about in the hunger. I know Sunday mornings, that's usually a good time when people's stomachs start growling and you know, you, you, you feel it. I've, I've been there a million times. I know, I know what it's like. But you know, you get thirsty and you just, you've gotta have something to drink. And, and boy, and really, when you get really, really, really thirsty, nothing tastes better than a cold glass of water. I mean, when we're not that thirsty, you know, we'll always take the soda or the Kool-Aid or the junky things like that. But boy, when you're really thirsty, nothing's better than water. And Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now that's not something that you hear people hungering and thirsting after too much. You hear people all the time talking about wanting to eat. You know, I, always, you know, I try to be respectful and make sure I don't preach too long because as we say, we got to beat the Methodists to the chicken house and we got we don't want to make sure that they don't get all the food before we get there because we're hungry. And the same thing with thirst. But at the same time, when you don't hear people talking about or complaining about, man, I just I wish I could be more righteous. You hear people all the time, well, I wish I had more to eat. I'm hungry. You hear people, I mean, even my kids, boy, you know, we'll feed them breakfast in the morning. And then they want to eat at lunchtime too. I don't get it. I'm telling you, man, it's getting expensive feeding those kids. They want to eat every single day. In fact, they want to eat more than once a day. But you know what? That's natural. I hear them talking about being hungry all the time. Uh, you know, the fast food business is booming because people are always hungry and they want the food now. They want it quick and they want a lot of it. And uh, I, I know I'm, I'm the same way. I get hungry. I, I talk about it. Quite a bit. Have you ever? I mean, sometimes you'll be really hungry and you just start talking about different food, and it just makes it worse. I know. I know me. Uh, whenever I'm hungry, maybe I'll go. I'll try to. I'll try to fast for a day. And boy, it seems like I will notice if I decide to fast for a day, I'm going to drive by McDonald's or something, and they're going to have this great deal on the sign that's that day or something, and that I just have to have. Or it seems like any other time I try to, that's when my wife goes and buys groceries, and there's all this good stuff there in the house, and it just makes it it makes it difficult because you're hungry, you're thirsty, and you you desire it. But righteousness, the Bible says that we're blessed or we're happy if we. Thirst after righteousness. And it says that they shall be filled. You will be filled. You will be satisfied. There's been many meals that I've had where I had it and I was not satisfied when I was done. There are some restaurants I'll go to and I'll order a meal when I'm really hungry and I get done I'm thinking, I'm still hungry. I need more to eat. That's why I like buffets. I'm very thankful that we don't have uh, like a, a Ryan's or a Golden Corral around here because that would probably really mess me up because I would I'd be eating there all the time. I tend to go overboard at those places. But when it comes, but righteousness, that's what we're talking about today. We can all understand the food and we can all understand uh, the hunger and the thirst. We can understand those things, but desiring after righteousness. And just a question, no, I don't want you to answer to raise your hand, but do you do you desire righteousness? Is righteousness a priority in your life? Is it something that you're striving towards or something that you pay attention to? You know, do you even think about it? So after eating a meal, it's real easy to think, you know what, I'm going to go on a diet. Or I'm going to go, uh, after eating a big meal, I'm going to go a day without eating. Or it's real easy to think that after a big meal, but it's not long later and we're right back to thinking about it as soon as the hunger comes. But with righteousness, do you think about it? Are you having victory in any area? That's something you ought to look at. Is uh, when you're try- if you're hungering after righteousness, 
Find an area, maybe where you're struggling, an area where you know you're not doing right, and try to get victory on it. Some people, they want righteousness in their life just so they can impress others. That's not what it's about. Okay, We don't live right, we don't talk right or dress a certain way just so we can make other people... We shouldn't be doing it just to make other people think that we're something special. or So people will look at us and think, wow, they're righteous. That's not what it's about. Some people, they want righteousness so they can get to heaven. There's a lot of folks out there that they think if I'm good enough, I'll make it to heaven. And so they'll try doing good things. They want some righteousness in their life so they can feel like their chances will increase of them you know, making it to heaven. That's not how it works either. My Bible says that all our righteousnesses are as a filthy rag in God's sight. So that's not going to work. Some people want righteousness so they can walk with God. They want to have a, they want to have a close relationship with God. When we sin and when we get sin in our life, it's gonna it's gonna cause there to be a problem in that relationship. We don't want to do that. But a person who is hungry and thirsting after righteousness, they're gonna think about it. They're they're gonna think about it often. And if a per, if you do hunger and thirst after righteousness, there are some things I can guarantee you that you're gonna do. Just like if you're hungry or if you're thirsty, there are some things that are predictable, things that uh, we can expect to see you do. And one of those things that you will do if you're hungry and thirsting after righteousness is that hunger, that thirst will cause you to call on the Savior. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we talk about salvation and getting saved, we're talking about getting saved from our sins. We're talking about from our sins, ourself. We're wicked. We're sinners. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're sinners. And if you want to go to heaven, and I hope you do, if you... Uh, it should cause you to see that I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to go to heaven. And then that, but that desire, that hunger or thirst for righteousness should call you to cause, call on the Savior. If a person was drowning and they're out in the middle of the ocean and they see a boat, that desire to be saved from drowning will cause them to call out for help. It will cause them to yell as loud as they can to try to get their attention. And if you really hunger and thirst after righteousness, it will cause you to call on the Savior. Because let me tell you, He's the only chance that any of us have of ever completely being righteous. And we'll see that as we go on in this message. But also, it will cause you to hate your sin condition. Romans chapter 7, if you want to turn over there. Romans chapter 7, verses 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal. Sold under sin. This is Paul talking here. He said, I'm carnal. That means fleshly. In other words, he's like, I, I've got this flesh and I give into it. I, it's not natural for me to do right. It's more, it's natural for me to sin. I'm carnal. I'm sold under sin. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. Now, this passage, it gets kind of, kind of a tongue twister a little bit there. But basically what he's saying, uh, throughout this passage is I'm wanting to do good, but I keep doing the opposite. There's a part of me that wants to be righteous. There's a part of me that wants to do right. But there's something inside of me that keeps working against me. And he says in verse 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. For the will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. 
For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, or the evil that I don't want to do, that I do. So he said, there's a struggle going on here. I want to do right. I don't want to do wrong. But I keep doing wrong. I keep not doing right. It's a struggle. And Paul, he didn't like that. He hated that sin condition. In verse 24, he said, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Boy, Paul, he had a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And he looked at that sin condition in his life and he hated it. He said, O wretched man that I am. He wanted to be righteous. He wanted to do right. He wanted to go. He wanted to go without sinning. He wanted to be sinless. He wanted to be perfect. But you and I know, and Paul knew that we are still sinners. We're still carnal. We're still fleshly. But he he hated it. And let me tell you, I don't worry about somebody who sins so much as a person who sins and seems to enjoy it. And the person who seems to not have any problem with it. Or many people today, it seems like when they study the Bible, the whole point of studying it is to find loopholes for why they can sin and why they continue living a wicked life. That's not what it's about. If you really do hunger and thirst after righteousness, you're going to hate that sin condition in your life and you're going to ask God for victory. In verse 25, he said, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. In his mind, he was serving the law of God, but that flesh, it serves the law of sin. And we've got to learn to fight that. We've got to learn to overcome the things of the flesh. That's why we do things like fasting. It's good to just... If you can go a day without eating, I mean that shows a little bit of self-control. It's a kind of an exercise to give you victory over your flesh because our flesh is constantly begging for things that are bad because we have that sin nature. But the truth is, the closer that you are to God, the more you'll hate your sin. Like, well, I don't hate my sin. I don't, I don't see anything wrong with me. I think, I think I'm fine. I think I'm okay. Well, that's a sign that you're very far away from God. A person who is close to God is going to, is going to hate the sin that's in their life. In the book of Job, chapter 42, you don't need to turn over there, but I want to read a passage to you. Job, Bible says he was, he was, he was a righteous man. The Bible says he was perfect and upright. He was one that feared God and eschewed or he hated evil. But Job, when he got close to God, God, God has a conversation with them. We're not going to go through it. It's two whole chapters. God's just asking Job questions. And Job is kind of getting a, an idea of who God is. And God's trying to show Job some things. But in chapter 42, then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things too wonderful me which I knew not. Job, he did question God a little bit. And Job realized I was totally out of my league and trying to even figure this out. This was above me. And he said, Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. He says, Now I see you. And then notice the next statement. He says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. When he got a look at God, it just... He was disgusted with himself. And that's the truth. The truth is, the closer we get to God, the more we see just how wicked we are. 
And the more we get around God, the more we're going to want to be like Him. It's not going to cause you to want to just say, oh, well, I give up. It's going to inspire you to try to be better and to try to do more. An example, I guess, of maybe seeing somebody else that's better and that inspiring you. I remember, I like to play golf. I enjoy playing golf. I don't do it that often. And you can tell if you ever play golf with me, I'm not that good. But I enjoy it when I get the chance. But I remember every year, I, about the only time I golf, once a year I go to this golf outing and I just go there to have fun. I mainly go because the food is really good and I enjoy myself eating. But a couple years ago I went to it and I golfed with three guys that were from our, or two guys were from our church and their dad came and I hadn't golfed with these guys. These guys, they were good golfers. And it was a best ball tournament and I remember I was, I'm playing with them and I remember they all went and hit first and all three of them just went and just Smack these monster drives just beautiful right in the middle of the fairway. And then it was time for me to come up and I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> I think I'm with the wrong group. And I went and I thought, all right, well maybe, maybe I'll, I'll be on today. And I remember I went and hit and I just, it, I, it was terrible. I mean, it was awful. And pretty much the whole day, usually I'm good for, you know, a few good holes, get some good drives, but I guess the pressure was on because these guys were so much better than me. And I just played lousy the whole day. They did not, they was only one of my shots that they used the whole day in that best ball tournament. And the only, and there was another one that was just as good. They could have used it, but I think they wanted to make me feel good. And it was almost on the last hole. And you know, before I didn't care that I wasn't a very good golfer. I just played for fun. But when I got around those guys, I was thinking, man, I need to start practicing. Man, I need to take this more serious. I need to do better. I hated, I hated my golf game. It made me, I felt like a terrible golfer. Maybe you've been around somebody like that. Maybe you thought you were good at something, you got around somebody that was better, and then all of a sudden you're like, I'm not that good. I remember when I was, when I was a kid, I, I was taking guitar lessons. And uh, none of my friends or anybody else I knew played the guitar, but I was taking guitar lessons and I was going along and doing pretty good. And I remember my teacher said, you know what? You've gotten to the point. She's like, I really don't have anything else to teach you. And I remember thinking, I was just a young kid, I'm thinking, man, I must really be good. And I did, I thought I was good, and for years I thought I was good, and I, I, I always played, but I never really tried to get better. I mean, after all, uh, my teacher can't even teach me anything, therefore, I'm okay. And I remember thinking I was good, and then when I got a little older, I remember getting around some people that were a lot better than me at the guitar. And I remember thinking, I'm not that good at it. I'm not thinking, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't really want to play. I, it, it'll, it'll cause me, I've been around a lot of people like that since then. And it's like, man, I am not very good. And it makes me want to do better. And that's how it is with God. Is when we get close to Him, it's going to cause us to hate our sin condition and it's going to make us want to be like Him. It, so if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, it's going to cause you to try to avoid sin. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22 says, Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, and then call on the Lord out of a pure heart. He's saying flee or run from youthful lust. We all have things that are tempting to us that, uh, that cause us to desire or maybe cause us to sin. And the Bible says we need to run from those things on purpose. There are some things that you just need to stay away from. If you're on a diet, don't go to the Golden Corral. I promise it will kill your diet. 
I remember when we, I went to the church planners conference a few weeks ago, and my cousin that went along with us, he was like, "Yeah, I'm on this uh, like you know 1,200 calorie diet, and, you know, and I got to watch what I eat this week and everything." And then we were on the way there, and we saw a sign for Lambert's. And I don't know if you've ever eaten at a Lambert's before. They're in Missouri, and boy, they have good food. It is really good, and you get a lot of food there. And we saw that sign, and we're like, "Oh man, we're going to Lambert's." He's like, "We're going to Lambert's," and he's like, "Yeah." He's like. Forget the diet, and he did. He threw it out the window, and he got in with us, and just we had a good time eating, and it was it was a lot of fun. But when you really desire that, if you're hungry and thirsty after righteousness, you're going to try to stay away from those things. If we would have been supportive friends, we would have encouraged him and said, "Oh man, you're on a diet. Yeah, you don't want to go there. Let's stay away from there. Let's go, you know, eat at Subway or uh, you know one of these healthy places or something." <laughs> but we didn't do that, and you know what? And most of the time, your friends won't do that when it comes to sin. They're not going to help you. Invo- they're not going to help you avoid it. Usually, they just they. Tempt you even more and try to get you caught up in it. And I tell you, if you have friends like that, you might want to try finding some new new ones. But you know, a lost person, they enjoy it. They do enjoy their sin. The Bible says uh, that Moses, he chose rather to suffer affliction than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Because you know what? Sin is pleasurable for a season. But then later, you have to deal with the consequences. And a lost person enjoys sin. A backslidden person, a person who is saved, they still want to sin. They still want to do it all the time. And they're gonna, they're gonna fall in every now and then, get themselves in trouble. If you're, if you're bad, that's why we want to stay close to God. But the person who's close to God, though, they hate sin. Hey, I worry about Christians when they're trying to promote sin and when they're trying to encourage sin. Or when they get mad at a pastor because he preaches against sin, a person who's close to God hates sin. They're going to be in agreement. They're going to be, they're going to be doing everything they can to encourage that because they hate sin. And they, but even a person who's close to God, they're still going to sin sometimes, but they're going to hate it when they do it. They understand, they all, but a person also who hates sin, they understand that they might do it again. That's why there are different rules and things that I have for my life, things that I want to stay away from, because I know I'm very capable of falling in sin in certain areas, so I'm going to stay away from it on purpose, because I don't want to do it again. An example, too, of somebody just hating something and not wanting to do it, and I know this is a, might be a kind of a weird example, and I'm not trying to be vile or anything like that, but throwing up. Alright? I think everybody in here probably hates when they have to throw up. Now we're in that time of year where that might uh, that could happen at any time. But the truth is when you throw up, you usually feel better afterwards. But you know what? Most people, myself included, we avoid it at all costs. Because I hate when that happens. I'll, sit, I'll, I'll lay there doubled over in pain trying to hold it down because I hate that experience of throwing up so much. And, but the truth is, some of us know that sometimes you're just better off doing it and getting it over with. But I can't help it. I hate it. I hate throwing up. I hate the way it feels. I, I hate the whole experience of it. And the truth is, with sin, sometimes giving in to sin, you might think, oh, I'll be better off. But listen, a person who is right with God, they hate sin. They don't want to do it. And yeah, you might feel a little bit better after doing it, but you know what? You you understand that in the long term, you're worse off. Throwing up, it might not really matter. But I think you get what I'm talking about. It's something that we hate to do. But sometimes sin, it does make us feel better. But if you realize how disgusting sin is in the eyes of God, I think you'd rather you'd rather not do it. You'd rather 
just deal with the temptation. You'd rather uh, get, you know, try harder to get victory over that because it is. It's a horrible thing. My son Jason, I hate when he throws up. That kid has absolutely no control. And I don't, I don't want to tell any stories because we are in church and you might all go out to eat afterwards. But let me tell you, you don't ever want him over at your house when he gets sick. There's no warnings. And it's not pretty. It's pretty, and it's bad. And you don't want sin too. It's bad. The results are destructive. They're messy. And it's avoided at all costs. But a person, uh, a person who, uh, is right with God or a person who hungers and thirsts after righteousness, that's, it's gonna cause you to do good. Those who desire to be like Christ, they can do works of righteousness. Now, we're not saved by those works. Titus 3.5 says, "...not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost." As Christians, we should do good works. We ought to do good things. We ought to try to be righteous. It doesn't save us, but that we're already saved. By God's mercy, He saved us, but we should still try to do good things. It'll cause us. It'll when people get saved. The Bible says, "If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new." Now that we're saved, we're supposed to start becoming like Christ. We're not. We're a long ways from it, but we ought to at least be trying to get there. And it ought to be a hunger and thirst for righteousness will cause you to try to do good. We'll do works of righteousness, but the. Uh, so an example too of just the victory that we get that comes with Christ. Back to that golf outing I went to. We got first place. We got first place in that golf outing. I got a first place trophy in that golf outing. I remember it was funny. We were there, and boy, you know, we our score was really good. And I say we. Uh, I was a part of the team. I was a terrible golfer, but I was a part of the team. And when they did, they announced it. They announced the first place winner, and my name got called up. And it was funny too because I went, I walked up there, and I just kind of in fun. I acted like I wasn't surprised. I acted like I had tons of these things at home. I acted like it was no big deal. I just, and it was funny. All the people that knew me and knew how I golfed, they were all cracking up because they they knew I didn't deserve to be up there. They knew I didn't deserve that trophy that I rode on the coattails. Of these other guys. And the truth is, someday we're all going to stand before God and He's going to look at us and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you that the only reason any of us are getting in is because we're riding on the coattails of Jesus Christ. We're getting in because we're on His team. It's not our works. It's His works that He has done. And thank God that we can be victorious even though we're sorry sinners. Even though we still got this flesh that messes up all the time, even though I mean we, we fail over and over again, it's just amazing to me, and I thank God that uh, for His amazing grace, and to know that someday I can go to heaven. And it's like people will tell you, you say things like, I, "I know I'm on my way to heaven." Well, you're, that's that's just bragging. That's that's proud. You're boasting. No, I'm not. I, I'm not. It's not pride. I understand full well that I don't deserve it. Uh, but I also understand that God will save you too. He'll save anybody who will call on Him, and we can all get into heaven through Christ, through Christ's righteousness, through His righteousness, and we're a part of His team, and therefore we can get in, even though we are so far from deserving it. 
A person who's doing the work of God, he's not going to draw attention to himself, but he's going to draw attention to Christ. Okay, If you're doing good in your life, and somebody notices it, make sure you give the glory to whom it belongs. Say, you know what? Jesus saved me. And He's helped me. And like Paul, I can do, you can say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And as time goes on, hopefully we'll start to become more like Christ than any righteousness that's in our life. It's not because of us. It's because of the Savior. And true righteousness is not going to make you more like others. It's going to make you more like Christ. I hope that your desire today is not to live up to my expectation or the expectation of anybody else in here or to be like any one person. Our goal and our desire should be to be like Christ. That's the goal. Now just listen, just because we're not going to get there here on this earth and in this flesh doesn't mean we shouldn't try. You know what the Lord wants to see? He wants to see you doing your best. He wants to see you just trying. David said in Psalms chapter 17, verse 15, As for me, I will behold thy face in righteousness. I shall be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. That day is not going to come till we're in heaven. We're not there today, but someday we will be when we're in heaven. And it ought to be our goal. It ought to be your desire right now to become as close as as you can to Christ. To every day be striving. Notice that verse says, just blessed are they, not which become righteous, but those blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. You will be satisfied in your life. You'll, God, I mean, God will give you fulfillment. The things that, uh, the, the victories that you have, they will fulfill you. We live in a world today where people are trying to find fulfillment in all kinds of crazy things. They're thinking they can find it through the pleasures of this life or through, uh, money or through possessions. And all they're doing is trying to find fulfillment. But the truth is, real fulfillment can only come through Jesus Christ. And David said, I will be satisfied when I awake with thy likeness. I think David knew he was not going to become exactly like God in his lifetime. But at the same time, we, our desire ought to just be as close as we can. If you get some victory in your life, you come a little more like Him, it's alright, now I'm going to try to make it to the next step. And boy, you'll find fulfillment in that. And God will bless you in that. It says they shall be filled. Someday, you will be in heaven. You will be just like Christ. But lastly though, if you watch any sport or a certain athlete long enough, you're going to desire to be good at that sport. And you're going to desire to be able to play like that athlete. When I was, when I was young, when it came to basketball, I liked Michael Jordan. I'd go out there sometime with a basketball and I would try to imitate the things that he could do. And it didn't go real well. But I tried. When it came to, I was a big baseball fan. I liked Ryan Samberg. I like playing like second base because that was his position. I tried to play like him. Said didn't quite make it, but at the same time, that it was kind of inspirational. I would I would watch and I would learn, and that's how that's how we get good at anything. You you watch and you observe somebody else do it, and we need to be doing all we can to watch and observe Christ. And the way we do that, well, you need to get in His Word. Get in the Bible. Read, read about it. Read about Christ. Look at how He handled things. Be, uh, and then try to put those things in your life. Try to do things the same way. Do everything you can to become like Christ. But you know what? If, if you're not hungry for it, if you're not thirsty for it, you're, you're, it's probably not going to happen. You've got to want it. 
it's sad how few people just they really don't care. They really aren't. They're not interested. But I'm here to tell you, Dave, boy, you need a hunger for it. And if you get close to God and you start learning more and more about Him, I can promise you'll want to. I can promise you'll care. And He will give you fulfillment. So let's stand together now with our heads bowed and eyes closed.